The News Run on Off The Ball with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. This is News Talk. Now you're welcome along to this evening's Off The Ball. The Formula One season is off the charts right now. So who better than the great Eddie Jordan to join us half past seven, give us his thoughts on how it's all going to finish up in Abu Dhabi. Monday Night Rugby after 8 o'clock we have Fiona Hayes and Jerry Thornley on the way plus Pat Nevin on the football show. He was at Old Trafford yesterday so he will give us the lowdown on Ralph Rangnick's early efforts. 53106 the text number we're at off the ball on Twitter Richie McCormick as ever. Hello. Hello Joe. And Nathan Murphy hello to you. Oof. Problem at your end, problem at our end. Who knows? We'll give hello. it a go again. Hello. There you, you are. There he is. There you are. Apologies. Let's get one thing straight Nathan. If he gets half a chance, Max Verstappen's going to run Lewis Hamilton off the road. <laughs> oh, this is going to be glorious next Sunday, isn't it? What a weekend of Formula One from qualifying on Saturday. Max Verstappen's lap where he's going for pole and they show pretty much the whole thing in the cockpit cam. And Martin Brundle kept talking about the Saudi Arabian track is this wonderful mix of Silverstone and the speed and the tightness of Monaco. And it was hold your breath stuff watching Verstappen as he was millimetres away from the wall in the get again pushing that car to within an inch of his life and then just punched it that little bit too far and then yesterday the drama of the race and I don't know how fair it was as a sporting event in that there was just such an element of jeopardy as to what would happen but for two hours you couldn't take your eyes off it you just felt there was always the possibility that there was going to be a crash that would just throw the whole thing up in the air again and I know there's a lot of talk of drive to survive and the momentum that is built, but even away from that, this has turned out to be one of the greatest world championship duels there has ever been. And that Saudi Arabian Grand Prix must go down as one of the all-time great Grand Prix. Like I said, Eddie Jordan on the way, which will be great. Drive to survive seemed to get a huge number of people into Formula One and now right on cue, it's delivered one of the great all-time championships. So talk about perfect storm and perfect timing. This is all you need to know about Formula One drivers. So we're going back to Prost and Senna and in successive years, they took each other out when it suited them. And, you know, it's like, of course we're going to do that. So uh, just recently, Verstappen and his former Red Bull teammate, Pierre Gasly, were shown the clip. This was in 2019. They were shown the clip of the uh, time Senna took out Prost. And Verstappen turns to Gasly and says, what would you have done? And Gasly says, probably the same. And Verstappen says, I mean, why not? <laughs> this is how they think. They're killers. There's brilliant commentary from Murray Walker in the first one in 89 where Frost and Senna collide and Murray Walker's reactions. This is fantastic. <laughs> and then he sort of has to check himself. But actually, he was right. That is what everybody thinks. Yes, is it the fairest thing? There's a, a villain in all of that. But actually... Would anybody have a major problem if Max Verstappen goes straight into the side of Lewis Hamilton on the first turn next Sunday? I don't think so. Do you know? I mean, well, this is the thing. So Eddie Jordan coming up later on. I know Eddie Jordan and he knows uh, the Verstappens. Obviously, Max's father drove for Eddie Jordan. He is absolutely of the opinion, Richie, that it must be said to Max by his parents and by people around him, there is a right way to win this and there's a right way to lose this, but there's bloody well a wrong way as well. And you've got years ahead. You're probably going to win championships, plural, do not besmirch your reputation here by doing this the wrong way. That's what he feels should be the advice around Verstappen. Uh, to what extent do you think it would damage his reputation and detract, you know, his, his fan base would, would, would turn on him? I have to say I don't think many would. 
depends on what he does in the subsequent years because the one I think of in terms of the final day or kind of latter stages of a championship and it all coming down to one or two races and somebody railing somebody else off the road was the coming together of uh, Michael Schumacher and Damon Hill in Adelaide and that was like pretty controversial at the time and I don't think when you talk about Michael Schumacher's legacy and I know a lot of things have obviously gone on to inform that in the last couple of years sadly um, but nobody mentions that really anymore that's that's not part of his legacy because he went on to win six more after that so like it all depends on what Verstappen does he could win this one pretty controversially and then for the next five or six as Hamilton begins to fade and Mercedes maybe isn't the force it was, who knows what might happen. He goes on to win a bunch more and this one doesn't matter anymore. It's kind of all about context, but I, I can't, I, I, for some reason, I just can't see it coming down to that uh, slightly cheeky collision as it will be next week because I think the way you know people and stewards and authorities view these races is slightly different to what it was 30 years ago, 25 years ago. So they'd come down harder, I think, for sure, if it was quite obvious what he was trying to do and what he was trying to do was rail Hamilton off the road. Yeah. Hamilton uh, speaking after last night's race in Saudi Arabia. I tried to keep my cool out there. I've raced a lot of drivers, though, across my life. I've come across a lot of characters. There are a few who are over the limit. They don't think the rules apply. He's over the limit for sure. I've avoided so many collisions with that guy. I'm always the one who has to do that. I thought that was quite interesting as well, Nathan, that Verstappen has very quickly built up a reputation in the minds of the other drivers. I will not crack. If if we're going into a turn, it's up to you to avoid the collision because I'm willing to take it. I mean, he's really, really impressive. 24 years of age. Just doesn't seem to be phased by any of this. Do you think, I, I was wondering actually last night if he did crack a little bit and as if Hamilton was the one who was in control of the situation. They were both clearly right on the edge and we saw that when Verstappen tries to slow right down. Does Hamilton know they're both trying to get this DRS advantage and he goes straight into the back of him? I thought that maybe Hamilton was more talking to the stewards ahead of next week's race that yeah. let's be clear here this guy is pushing it right to the absolute edge I'm going to do everything to try and avoid him but this guy is willing to do anything to win this so if we collide next week be prepared to disqualify him and deduct points as happened with Michael Schumacher a number of years ago the great thing with well is it the great thing or is it one of the things that put people off but you get a good sense of how a race week will go quite early in the weekend it seems they've made changes to the Abu Dhabi circuit and Verstappen won there last year but Hamilton's won there five years and times previously so if Hamilton looks the faster car and he qualifies on pole and you're Max Verstappen thinking I have two choices here watch Lewis Hamilton speed off into the distance and hope for a mistake or a crash or a safety car or do I just go and have a nice little nudge on that first turn and show him actually even if I am disqualified if we're going to battle for the next five years I'm not Mr. Nice Guy I will I will do that I will push it and I don't think it will really besmirch his reputation. Has it damaged Senna? Has it damaged Prost? Has no. it damaged Schumacher? No. No, that's what, that's what you expect from your if, Formula 1 drivers. If anything, it's part of their legend. You know, it's like, well, these guys are certain personality types. They're killers. This is what you do. And so I don't think it will uh, damage his reputation at all. The really upsetting part for me is I do like to follow my Formula 1 a year late on Drive to Survive. So this is a <laughs> major plot spoiler, spoiler. here I'll yeah. do well to avoid unfortunately but uh, I, I like the timing of it because I my, my weekend is uh, sort of has a pattern of sports watching and obviously it usually sports watching or watching golf well well it's probably a bit of both it turns out this Sport, time you, you sports watch Saudi the, Arabia yeah, yeah, yeah you sports watch the sports watching yes and um, yeah it's hard to avoid it isn't it at the moment but yeah. finishing off on a Sunday evening with uh, golf 
generally not from Saudi Arabia on a Sunday evening, but probably more and more from Saudi Arabia, turns mm-hmm. out, of a Sunday evening. Sure. But actually, the old evening Grand Prix, just as the football is drawing to a close, get the fire on. It's, it's very relaxing, very enjoyable. Who do you want to win, by the way? You see, I, I, I'm, I, I'm more on this side of the constructors in that I'm a big fan of Christian Horner, and I'm not a Toto fan at all. And that comes totally from Drive to Survive. And I've come around to Hamilton. I would have always been, Same. when he wins Sports Personality of the Year, he go, really? Personality, Lewis Hamilton, they don't go hand in hand. But I think the way he conducted himself even this weekend and the stance he took in Saudi Arabia, and listen, I get people who say, well, if you're going to take a stance, don't go to Saudi Arabia. I think you have to be realistic in terms of what he can do. But actually consistently has spoken out that, I have a lot more respect and time for Lewis Hamilton and I don't have any great emotion with Max Verstappen only he's given us this brilliant finale it's a bit in that sort of Ryder Cup sphere this weekend and I don't really care who wins as long as something memorable happens Yeah, but I do want to see Christian Horner smiling and Toto like the ideal scenario if there's a collision and it's a little bit 50-50 and Toto storming storming down to the stewards that's the dream dream ending for me I do agree on Lewis Hamilton speaking out. I thought it was really gutsy to pitch up in the country and to really call out the powers that be was great because you and I are working in Golf Weekly and just last week the extensive list of golfers who will be playing the Saudi Open next February was announced and they're all there and they're all saying nothing. They're coming out with meaningless statements. Colin Morikawa was the latest. Morikawa. We love Morikawa. Yeah. He went for the, in the Rolodex of awful excuses, he went for the worst of them all night and he went for growing the game. That was Marikawa's game, which was painful Justin for me. Justin Rose had similar, didn't he? Yeah. It was like, oh, this, oh, could, uh, this could be, not, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, what do you call it? Here, here's Justin Rose's change. quotes. Oh, here's no. Justin Rose's quotes. Team Rose. Obviously, Saudi is controversial, but I've been down there and I enjoyed my time there. It's actually a fun golf oh. tournament. It's a good golf course. Listen, they're trying to edge towards the most socially acceptable stance on their policies. You've got to start somewhere, right? By paying me lots of money to play golf there. <laughs> he would have been quicker just to say, I don't give a monkeys. Give me the money. And, and again, it's a very different thing when we're talking about golfers and Formula One drivers because for Lewis Hamilton to take a stance and say, I'm not going to Saudi Arabia, would have cost him the world title. Yeah. May well have cost him his job. And you could say, wouldn't it be one of the great sporting achievements? Wouldn't he live long be, for making that stance? But I think it's highly unlikely to happen, much like it's highly unlikely for footballers not to go to Qatar next mm. year. Mm. But golfers are self-employed. The AT&T Prom at Pebble Beach, one of the great golf courses in the world, is on the exact same week as the Saudi Arabia Invitational next year with a huge prize fund of its own. And they've all decided, no, we're not going to Pebble Beach. We're going to take the Saudi money. Yeah. No, it's really depressing. It's terrible. Roy McIlroy amongst those very much not going and on the record as to why and probably doesn't get enough credit for it. Anyway, let's move off that get into the news round it's brought to you by Gillette put your best face forward with their new and improved razors Richie you're starting with some Heineken Champions Cup injury updates yeah we're heading towards that now Will Connors is going to miss Leinster's opening games in this season's Heineken Champions Cup the flanker has suffered a hamstring injury barely a fortnight after returning from an 8 month knee injury knee injury layoff Jonathan Sexton James Ryan and Jack Conan all require further assessment ahead of Saturday's game with Bath at the Aviva but Jemison Gibson Park and Dan Levy and indeed Rory O'Loughlin have returned to full training meanwhile Roman Salanoa is in line to make his first start for Munster in Sunday's game away to Wasps the former Leinster prop has bolstered a threadbare squad following a knee injury Munster say the 34 players that are isolating after their return from South Africa will be free to rejoin the squad after the game in Coventry. 
Very good. Eddie Jordan again on the way half past seven. I know you were on the production meeting earlier on, Nathan. When it was mentioned, let's try Eddie Jordan to see what he come on and talk about this, I thought to myself, well, there's 20 seconds of your life wasted. I'd say Eddie Jordan comes through for us once every uh, five years on average. So here he is. Uh, are you giving me credit there? It was my idea. Was it your idea? I said, let's get... Let's, uh, and the negativity on it. <laughs> nah, he won't answer. I, I listened to Eddie Jordan when you recorded it earlier on. And it was uh, it's up on our social channels now where... You know, he has a connection with the Verstappens and he has a connection with the Hamiltons. In fact, you know what? I live in the same complex as uh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. They all live Humble in, brag there, Eddie. They Humble all, brag. They, they all live in Monaco. So uh, they, mm. Max Verstappen's father drove for Eddie and they all, they all see each other. They're all winners, ultimately, I suppose, is the, the point. In now. life. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you'll notice when you made the outlandish suggestion of Eddie Jordan in the production meeting, I, ca- I said nothing. I said nothing. I was muted when I said, well, that's idiotic. But I didn't... Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, so we... Oh, by the way, somebody wants to know, uh, you you did the game for us yesterday, Manchester United against Crystal Palace. The, the, the great unwashed didn't get to see this game. It wasn't on television. So do you want to give us a Nathan Murphy 30-second... Well, you see, I could have just made it up as I went along. In fact, my first ever commentary, Joe, I'll tell you a quick story. My first ever commentary radio, I was working in Galway Bay FM. I was up in the athletic grounds for a league game between Armagh and Galway. And my boss at the time rang me about half an hour before the game and said, yeah, I'm still in Galway, not going to make it. You do the commentary. I was like, well, I haven't prepped. I'm not ready for this. He said, well, it's not on the TV. So you can sort of say what you want and nobody's ever going to be able to contradict you. <laughs> Which was good advice. So I could have gone that way with Manchester United yesterday. Um, I thought first half an hour they were very good. There definitely seemed to be a change in emphasis in terms of pressing and everything we would expect with Ralph Rangnick. It was a. It felt like a four-two-two-two formation where yeah. straight back for Fred McTominay and then Ronaldo was always one of the front two, but the other three constantly rotated. So somebody, whether it was Rashford or Sancho or Fernandez, pushed right up on the centre backs, and the other two got very close to each other so it was nice little passages of play and they pressed high and they made Crystal Palace very nervous at the back but then after about half an hour it just went very flat and to be honest for the rest of the game it was 50-50 Palace had a great chance through Jordan Ayew and there was no great press I thought from Manchester United they just they decent control of possession at times but it is extending that first half an hour and was that was that a definite game plan from one training session or was that just a momentum and buzz of a new manager I guess we'll only find out over the coming weeks. The one thing I did feel, and it's unsurprising, is that Old Trafford is made for that style of football. And the winning the ball back in the opposition half of the field, saw that statistic, I think it was 12 times they won the ball back in the opposition half, twice what they'd done earlier in the season, that Old Trafford is a sort of stadium that needs that momentum, that needs that little bit of excitement. And the first half an hour was really enjoyable. And a sign, I think, that they can do this. But can they do it? I haven't seen Ronaldo's wrecked at the end of the game. They probably didn't even come up in any of the highlights packages. But twice in the last two minutes of injury time, he made two of the most uncharacteristic Cristiano Ronaldo errors I've ever seen, where on the halfway line, at one stage, he complete miskick of the ball. And another 20 seconds later, where he just fell over on the sideline. I wonder, was he just absolutely exhausted? Mm. Well, I saw they won the ball 12 times in opposition half, which is a season high, so... I'm sure he was doing his bit. Well, Pat Nevin's going to join us after nine. I wouldn't think we've gone through a news round without talking either Manchester United or sports washing in about five years, it feels like, at this stage. They're the two uh, must-dos. Uh, Niall says, I know there are some good fellas on tour, but golfers are right up there in my list of most dislikable sports people. What an interesting uh, discussion point. And yes, <laughs> I'm generalising like crazy. My top three in reverse order of worseness. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of sports or actual people? Uh, as people. Okay. 
His top three sports people in reverse order of worseness. Worseness. In at number three. In at number three, he has golfers. Have we legal to this, by the way? Because you know. oh, he's not giving specific names. Once it's not just, I, I think once it's larger than a crowd of twelve, legally you can okay. fire on. Right, 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 right. Yeah, okay. Uh, number two, NFL club owners. Number one, Australian cricketers. Says Niall. That's his. Ah, uh, uh, no. Listen, no. I I love the guff of an Australian cricketer. Like that's top the, three. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's harsh. Formula One drivers surely must belong in there. These pampered Monaco living narcissists who fly around in fancy cars in dodgy parts of the world for 13 weeks of the year like that's that's got to be up there no I think the Formula 1 drivers get a bit more of a pass than the golfers because just watch back Verstappen how close he is to that wall at 250 miles an hour and I think you think you know what these guys are are doing something that most normal human beings would be unable to do whereas you know, golfers, once you're good at it, life is pretty good. But tune in to Golf Weekly every week to listen to <laughs> yeah. us talk about their games. <laughs> so, Everton, this evening, there's going to be a protest, by the way, at this game this evening. Yeah. There's a planned walkout, I think. Is it on 27 minutes to mark 27 years since a trophy? Yeah, I, how much of that will actually come to pass is uh, another story. But yeah, a tumultuous week for Everton continues tonight. Less than 24 hours after director of football Marcel Brands left the club, the out-of-form Toffees welcome Arsenal to Goodison Park. Everton without a win in eight games. Seamus Coleman, despite his poor display in the Merseyside Derby, keeps his place in a back four. That sees the introduction of Yeri Mina at the expense of Luca Dina. Allen and Abdoulaye Ducouré stay in midfield. In front of them, then you've got the trio of Damari Gray, Andros Townsend and Anthony Gordon, who are all in support of Richarlison. For Arsenal, pretty stable-looking starting eleven for them. Aaron Ramsdale in goal. Takahiro Tomiyasu, Ben White, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney are there back four. Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka sit in midfield behind Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Martinelli and Alex Lacazette leads the line for them. And kickoff is at 8pm. So Marcel Brand's gone, Nathan. He signed a new contract in April. Didn't actually sign anybody over the summer and now he's after getting the sack, which does get to the heart of some kind of dysfunction at that club and look they've thrown in a lot of money like confetti on a lot of very average players and there's just a real sense they're going backwards or certainly not forwards as a club so fans have had the hump and they're going to walk out tonight I think on 27 minutes but come back in for the second half by all accounts he made a really positive impression that first summer when he came in because they signed Richarlison Yuri Mina and Luca Dean who've all oh, that's good. developed to be really strong Premier League players but it was the summer after where they spent a load of money on Moyes Keane Alex Iwobi is one that stands out somewhere between 25 and 40 million. Uh, Andre Gomez has had moments, but he's become a typical Everton player. You'll watch him one Monday night and he'll be man of the match and think he could play at any team in the top six, control the game, and then there'll be a little niggly injury. Won't see him for three months. And yeah, they've wasted a huge amount of money that's left them in the position where they couldn't spend any money last summer because of financial fair play and Rafa Benitez has to come in and make do with Damari Gray and Solomon Rondon and Andrew Townsend has probably done all right at times but yeah, Marcel Brands uh, clearly clearly uh, never fully endeared themselves and Everton supporters are in a difficult position in that they keep hearing about this new stadium, they keep hearing about been moving to a whole new level and it just keeps getting pushed back and they just keep going through managers and same old conversations after games about players not being consistent enough. I do think that having started the season quite well, they have been undone by injuries right down the spine and that Yerimina is back tonight but has missed a lot of football. Decore was brilliant those first three or games, ends up being ruled out for five, six weeks. Dominic Havert-Lewin is a massive loss. Yeah. 
there's quite a few players and teams like that in the Premier League at the moment. You look at Bamford with Leeds, how they've struggled without their talisman. So if he was to get everybody back, I think Everton would probably be just fine. But what is just fine? Eight without ever pushing forward and with a negative style of football that is coming from a former Liverpool manager, it just never felt right. And I don't know what Marcel Brands leaving will really change in the short term for Everton. No, not much. On Verstappen taking out Hamilton, Joe, completely agree with you as in that he will do it. But Sky Sports will destroy Max if he does that to their man, Hamilton. I know, definitely... I don't. I'm, I, I mean, I think Martin Brundle is saying what he genuinely thinks, but there was a degree... I was conscious last night watching. I know I'm, I'm watching on Sky Sports here. There's an English commentary team, Lewis Hamilton, and I just wasn't sure if they were over-egging the extent to which Verstappen had overstepped the mark. So, I'm, I Well, I watched you know. back the highlights then last night on Channel 4. Okay. where David Coulthard was on commentary and actually he was I don't know if you want to say more balanced but had a very different view on a lot of the incidents from they had on Sky Okay, oh, it, It's funny with the um, the breaking on lap 37 where Hamilton went into the back of Verstappen so Verstappen is allowing Hamilton to go by him now he does close off the gap a touch to the left but I think it's not on Verstappen if it hasn't been to communi- communicated to Hamilton what's happening I like degree like it's kind of thinking, well, okay, the braking was a lot and the moving to the left actually I'm talking myself out of it. <laughs> he braked and moved to the left. But it, I mean I do have some sympathy in that Hamilton didn't know what was going on, so there was always the possibility it would get a bit messy and Well then there was confusion of him having to give the position back twice and yeah. then he gets a five second penalty as well and a ten second penalty that it was one incident that could well have taken both of them out of the race and maybe did Verstappen huge damage for the remainder of the race with the damage to his back of his car and he was obviously a good bit off the pace. But. Yeah, because they gave him a 10 second penalty for that afterwards. They called him in, asked him what had happened and then they gave him the 10 seconds for hitting the brakes there when they felt it wasn't necessary. Uh, Mark's been in touch. Your man Niall hasn't mentioned boxing promoters. Surely they have to be in his top five of worseness, at least. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess they're in there, aren't they? So, um, last couple of stories, Rich, before we wrap up. Yes, St. Pat's have signed Chris Forrester to a new long-term contract. The 29-year-old enjoyed his best season in a Saints jersey this year and scored in last week's FAI Cup final. Forrester had been linked with a potential move to Dundalk following the departure of Stephen O'Donnell from Richmond Park in the last few days. Meanwhile, Shelburne have signed Finn Harps Player of the Year Mark Coyle and Keith Ward is to end his second spell at Bohemians uh, for a move to Dundalk. While the Dublin CEO John Costello has lashed out at the media coverage of a training breach by the county senior footballers earlier this year, manager Desi Farrell was given a 12-week ban for his part in a training session at Inish Vale's GEA club that went against the GAA COVID-19 protocols in place at the time. Writing in his annual report, Costello criticised the tone and intensity of some of the coverage. He also disputed the figures presented by former Westmead footballer John Conlon late last year when he called for a more level financial playing field. And finally, the Dublin CEO has also suggested the introduction of four points for a goal in hurling to curb high-scoring matches. Fellas, we're out of time. Nathan, thank you. Cheers, Joe. Richie, thanks. Nice one. Cheers, boys.